Welcome to episode two of Cura Medicina. Today we have a repost from ayahuascapodcast.com with Sam Believe. We talk about my journey and tips for sitting in your first ayahuasca ceremony. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this fabulous podcast. Hi guys, in this episode of ayahuascapodcast.com, I speak to Derek Dodds. We talk about topics of quitting alcohol, uh, overcoming childhood trauma. Um, Derek gives us some advice on preparation for the retreat and integration. Uh, we talk about ayahuasca and entrepreneurship and uh, even ayahuasca and surfing and so much more. It's a fascinating episode and you will enjoy it. Derek, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Sam. Good to be here. Uh, Derek, um, you know, you you have a personality of, uh, it reminds me of that uh, beer advertisement about the most interesting man you've ever met. Uh, because um, to, sum, to sum up your story, which I'm sure is much more complex, is uh, you... You grew up hunting, you started hunting with guns when you were like super young and then you became a federal officer. You were uh, a surfer, traveler, entrepreneur, you started multiple businesses. Now you switched to ayahuasca, to spirituality, so much so that you wrote a book about it. So um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your background and um, uh, why, why are you, why are you, what makes you this way? What, what are you seeking, uh, Derek? That's a great question. I've I've always been seeking truth since I was very young. And I feel like there's been this fire inside of me that I never quite understood. And that fire was, you know, sending me to a Buddhist monastery in Nepal and going to India to study yoga and sutra. And, you know, that fire eventually led me to ayahuasca which uh, is currently one of my North Stars to the truth. Mm -hmm. when, when did you start working with ayahuasca? Yeah, this is interesting. So my very first uh, journey was in the early 2000s. It's a crazy story. I, was, um, I went to Brazil and uh, I had a girlfriend down there and I was flying to Peru to to go surfing with a buddy of mine. And I had it in my mind that I wanted to do ayahuasca. I didn't know why, didn't really know anybody that did it. I just had this idea. And I got on the plane and our planes got, uh, I missed the, the connecting flight in Sao Paulo. And basically what I did was, you know, they grouped five of us together that had missed the plane. And they sent us to this hotel for the night and the next morning that we were gonna catch another flight to Lima. Uh, back to Peru. And so we all went out to dinner, the five of us, you know, these kind of misfits that all missed their flight. And there was, a, and I mentioned, we went at dinner. I, I just, I don't know why, but I mentioned to this girl, I was like, yeah, I would like to do ayahuasca. I don't know any, I don't know why or where to go or who to talk to. You know, this is right, really before it was all over the internet and you could find it really easy. Right. She's like, well, um, I've been working with the tribes in Peru for 13 years. Uh, she was an anthropologist and she's, she told me basically, I have a contact of a really good teacher. If you'd like to go, I'll give you her number and she'll feel you out. Um, if she feels it, you know, you'll go. And I called her up and she said, yeah, come over. And I had a solo journey with this great teacher. Uh, but you know, I don't think I was ready. Um, it was a profound experience, but I didn't, I didn't follow the thread. You know, I felt like basically what she told me, what Aya told me in those moments was not yet. And so then I spent another 10 years um, without her and came back to her recently uh, when my mom died and kind of led me back to Aya. So... Uh, when your mom died and you you came back to to ayahuasca already for 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 the healing side of it, how did it go? Did it help uh, or not? Oh, totally, totally, yeah. So my mom and I had a very complicated relationship my whole life. She left when I was one, so you can imagine, you know, what that does to a child. And never had a relationship with her, and then she died. 
And um, I quit my job the day she died. I, I was working for a nonprofit foundation here in Ojai. And like my whole life turned upside down. And, um, you know, I started doing therapy and reading all these books on childhood trauma and this and that. And that eventually led me to ayahuasca. So, um, and, you know, I was drinking a lot. I was drinking a lot of alcohol. Uh, I no longer drink alcohol which was a huge change. I felt like uh, alcohol was a way for me to numb the the pain that I had inside of me. So that, that's been one of the biggest changes was that uh, changing that relationship and, and really just being, just being with whatever emotions were coming up as opposed to numbing them through, you know, some kind of substance. So uh, yeah, that's kind of the way it went down. It's interesting that uh, we're somewhat similar. I'm also changed my life from being an engineer to now running an ayahuasca retreat in this podcast and also did my fair share of uh, traveling and, and truth seeking. And I just realized we have another one in common, the, the, the mother wound or mother trauma, because uh, when I was three and a half, my parents had this great idea to send me to another country, to another continent, to my grandmother. And I think there was uh, this... Um, abandonment slash betrayal situation which uh, which I'm sort of working working through and ayahuasca helped a lot but I'm thinking maybe maybe we are so driven because we're constantly looking for something and maybe that has some kind of roots in that trauma um, you talked about uh, overcoming alcohol addiction um, and ayahuasca being uh, being a helpful um, aspect in that we do have a lot of people that come to the retreat that experience that sometimes as a side effect meaning they come for something else and then all of a sudden they realize they're not drinking anymore what do you think uh, what do you think happens there what, what is what are your guesses on on the mechanism of that so tricky this one because I meet some people that drink ayahuasca once and then they never drink again and other people who I know friends of mine who sit a lot you know, they sit a couple times a year and they still drink, right? They still go back to drinking. So, and I did that for the first year, you know, I sat in the last two and a half years, I've sat over a hundred times and I would say the first 30 sits, I, I would come back after an ayahuasca retreat and crack a bottle of wine. You know, I was, it was, I was right back in. So, you know, everyone has their particular, um, way that they need to relate and work through whatever it is they're they're working on you know for me it's it's a it's a lifetime of of work and and search and 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 um but i have to say that i never it wasn't until my mom died that i really started to look at my trauma you know before that i was really into spirituality but i was like oh I don't need to look at my trauma. There's no trauma there. You know, I was just, what do they call it? Spiritual bypassing, right? Like the, the one thing that I needed to really, I really needed to look at most in my life. Um, I never looked at. And, you know, of course I, uh, the, the beautiful thing about I is it doesn't let you escape the shadows. It doesn't let you escape from the hidden places that you rather not go. In fact, she takes you there a lot. She takes you there pretty directly, you know? And, and then I just realized in that journey that, um, and I, you know, and this is the other interesting thing that I think happens to people that are in, on this path is their, their group of friends start to change, right? Because, you know, if, if, before all my friends, we'd go out and like drink, like that was our thing. Well, I don't do that anymore. So if you're a friend of mine that, that still goes out and parties every, you know, every couple of days or whatever, we're not hanging out anymore, but I am probably hanging out with somebody else that is, um, yeah, that, that is, is basically has chosen either not to do that or to hang out with me in a different way. Right. So that's another big shift is it's not only the alcohol, but it's also, um, who I've re who I'm relating to in my, in my inner circle. And, you know, as we do this work with people in medicine, uh, we tend to hang out with people that are in medicine. I mean, that's just the way it goes, right? They become our brothers and sisters. And, and so I feel very fortunate to, 
And it's hard sometimes, right? Because it's hard to let go of a friendship that you've had for 20 years uh, that's, you know, maybe rooted in, in certain traumas, actually, that you were in that relationship because of the traumas. And then all now you're, you're, you're further away from those traumas, let's say. Maybe you haven't, you know, healed everything, but you do have some distance. And um, it's a grieving process to you know, to, to lose those friends or to create distance with those friends. So that's a tough one, um, that not too many people talk about, but what I've seen in my life is my circles really changed circle around me. Yeah. When, when we get couples that come to ayahuasca retreats or people that are in a couple, but they're not drinking together, I always, um, warn them that, um, couples who grow together or drink ayahuasca together they stay together so if you have a a friend or a or a couple that they're not really working on themselves slowly but gradually you sort of shift away and you float away and, and one day years later you realize like why am i even uh, spending time with that person when all of a sudden um you can kind of see from a distance like what how, how it used to be and that's you know it's it's maybe a negative environment or it's a the person might be a little bit toxic but you're no longer toxic or no longer willing to accept that toxicity um you mentioned that your your healing journey with um really began when you started accepting that something was wrong i think um that's an important part of it you know like uh, before you start anything you need to accept that that something is wrong and and that's really hard because we we create those stories for ourselves about how how perfect we are and um yeah some people hide behind that um uh, spirituality when they say you know i i did that many ceremonies i did you know this kinds of medicines and and in reality they, they they're not accepting to go deeper so for me personally also was um was a difficult shift to to accept that that um you know, I need to change. Uh, so you you talked a little bit about obviously, this is one of the pitfalls, right? So what other pitfalls should people avoid? People that come to ayahuasca for the first time, because uh, you you've written an entire book on the topic. Uh, your book is called uh, Ayahuasca Beginner's Guide: How to Prepare for the Ceremony. So uh, can you talk a little bit about how to prepare? What to what to avoid? You know? Yeah, sure. Um. So I think one of the biggest things that I see is that people don't take dieta seriously, right? So they, uh, I don't know how you set up your retreats, but um, all the teachers that I've worked with have been very, not strict, but, uh, you know, the protocols for dieta have been very clear, right? And the whole, uh, as you know, the whole idea of a dieta is that you're preparing the vessel, so that the ayahuasca, when she enters, she doesn't have to fight so hard with the toxicities and, you know, all of the things that people normally put in their body. And I find that a lot of new, new, um, a lot of beginners and, and people who, and just some people in general, they don't take the dieta seriously. And, um, and that, that has a big influence on their experience because if you're, if you're not restricting yourself and you're, you know, um, doing all the things that you normally do, and that includes also taking time to yourself and being quiet and being in nature and, you know, slowing down. But, it, it you know, we, we are vessels of what we put into our mouth. So, and, and Aya knows that, you know, she feels that when you show up, if you've done, the, if you've done a good dieta, then she'll bless you with her, you know, her beauty. But if you haven't, she'll tear you apart. <laughs> so dieta is a big one for me. Um, and then, you know, doing a digital detox, like, you know, the day or two before getting off the internet, getting off social, being quiet, uh, having clear intentions, thinking about your intentions. And then after is also a super important time, right? After is... Um, I would say that give yourself also a one or two day buffer on the backside too, uh, because you're, you're raw. You're like, that's where a lot of magic actually happens in those, those couple days. And then integration is another, um, it's not a pre, but it's, I would say it's just as important to have an integration. So 
that's one of the biggest things that I see is is not taking dieta seriously and then not having the tools that I talk about in the book um, to help in those difficult moments, whether it's breath work or it's mantra or it's uh, positive thinking. Um, you know, I give some some examples of using love, you know, where you're feeling dark energies. And so there are a lot of things that there are a lot of tools that we can bring into the ceremony to help us uh, mitigate those difficult moments. And the other one that I have to say that, that I think is so, so, so important. If you sign up for a retreat and you have a difficult first night and it is either a two or a three, three day to retreat, do not leave. Like do like I see a lot of people, they get freaked out and they leave after the first day. You know, you don't have that problem probably in the jungle because you're they've come there. But, you know, a lot of people in this in the urban environment, they drive and they're there for the weekend. And, you know, and I see people leave after one night. I'm like, oh, it's so it's too bad because so much happens, especially if you sit a first time. So much happens that first night. My one of my teachers, Natasha, she calls it the washer and the dryer. The first night is the washer, right? And the second night is the dryer. And I feel like um, if you dedicate, if you're, you, you know, dedicate yourself to sitting, sit the whole, sit the whole ceremony. Do not leave, no matter how much you feel. And and I felt this probably for my first, I would say, my first thirty sits, bro. I would I would be in in the sit on the first night, you know, either a two or a three dayer, and I'd be like, man, there's no way I'm doing this t- tomorrow. I am leaving this first thing in the morning. You know, I have to tell my friend, look, he's got to find a ride, you know, somewhere else. And and I've felt that many times, um, but of course, I never did leave. Uh, I always woke up and with the resolve and a dedication to keep going. So. It's okay to have the feelings, right? But like, what are the actions? Like we have to make a, really have to make a commitment to our actions. And uh, it's always been great when I, whenever I've stayed, for sure. Yeah, I agree with you 100% on everything from preparation and the diet, integration, the tools, and especially that part about not leaving. Um, for us as facilitators, nothing hurts more then when people come and they they're already they already did 99% of the effort they they bought the ticket they came here they came to the retreat they they drank ayahuasca and then they want to give up the last moment um uh, we are very good at convincing people to stay i have all my uh, all my stories that i tell especially because the situations are very similar and i'll, I'll tell those stories now as well uh and Nobody ever has said, um, I regret staying. But yeah. everyone always said, thank you so much for convincing me to stay. Sometimes it's an intervention with me and the chief facilitator. We sit together and we talk to people for hours sometimes to try to explain and, 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 and let them stay. A lot of times uh, what I like to explain is if let's say you have a uh, hypothetical arrow in your shoulder, like that's your trauma. Of course, when you when you want when you start like it's it sits there and it's okay you know kind of hurts but you got used to it but when you start moving it around it hurts so much more so before it gets better a lot of times it gets worse and that's what uh, makes people give up so so we talk to them through that a lot of time especially it's kind of like a sediment you have in a glass and you start moving it and starts rising up and it hurts and you think you're getting worse like why am I doing it. Plus the ayahuasca process a lot of times is very difficult. So one of the reasons I created this podcast is to educate people on that. Uh, if they have right uh, expectations, then they then they can bear through it. But if they think, you know, ayahuasca is that highlight story that people always provide about everything, all the best parts that happen, but they try to omit the, the difficult parts, then people, when they face the adversity, all of a sudden they... They, they they don't want it anymore. They're like, where, where's the where's the rainbows and butterflies? Uh, why am I why am I puking and why does it hurt so much? Um, a lot of times with women, especially, there's a lot of physical pain uh, that comes up and sometimes debilitating. They 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 don't expect it and they want to leave. Uh, one one time we had 
two women that had this situation. It was it was very physical for them. One left, another stayed. And next day, she had the best experience of her life. Literally, she said, this was the best night in my life. And uh, so, yeah, guys, uh, listen to Derek. He knows what he's talking about. If you count to drink ayahuasca, stay. Uh, you can lead horse to the water, but you cannot make horse drink. Don't ayahuasca retreat, but you can't make them drink ayahuasca. Please, no, drink ayahuasca. Yeah, and so the other part I would say is uh, another thing my teacher always tells me is um, during the ceremony, um, when the second or third cup is being served, if you can crawl to the altar, you can drink. So, and, and I know that, um, you know, everyone needs to figure out their own rhythm and their own amount that they drink. And, but look, you're in an ayahuasca ceremony. You're probably not going to do this too often. So while you're there, you know, drink as much medicine as you can is what I would say, you know, and, um, a lot of people fear drinking more because they think that you know, whatever, they're going to go deeper into the, to the shadows or, but it, it met, it's called medicine for a reason. Right. So, um, I always remember that when, when I can only crawl, I still crawl up to the, up to the altar for, for that, uh, additional cup. And, um, yeah, I think it's important to, to remember that, you know, it's, it's such a great opportunity. And if you fly to Columbia, you're already there. They're serving another cup. Drink the other cup. You know, like, go for it. it uh, yeah, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, it's uh, reminded me of that uh, Roman saying, um, if you're ready for, if you want peace, get ready for war. It's like, <laughs> if you want uh, the, the mental well-being and, and peace in your life, then you need to go through war at, at, at the retreat. Uh, it speeds up the process greatly of of the suffering, and uh, it gets gets out of your system quicker. There is another side to what you just described. We have um, we have one of our uh, patients, as we like to call them, Naomi. If you're listening, Naomi, she's she's a great lady, but she's she's just so ruthless with more ayahuasca. She sometimes we have to carry her to the altar. So we yeah. have another rule, which is if you cannot get to the altar, you yeah. get the cup. Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Like I said, crawling's fine, but you yeah, know, if you have to be carried, I, that's that's different. Yeah, you also mentioned, you know, the the post uh, retreat um, uh, feeling or or state in which you're you're suggestible and you're raw, and uh, you need to, you know, everything everything comes in so much stronger. What do you recommend people do with with that um, opening in their in their conscious or subconscious? Well, listen to the listen to the music, listen to ceremony music, which is after ceremony is great, right? Get a hold of a a playlist of Ikuros, and um, you know if the teacher that you sit with has a list from from the actual ceremony. Uh, my one of my teachers, she released her lists post-ceremony, which is such a beautiful way to anchor yourself back into ceremony um, while you're outside of ceremony, right? So I love that. If you play music, play music, you'll find a sensitivity to your, your, your playing that isn't normally there. If you sing, sing. But the ikuros for me are great. And then, you know, I would always sit, I, I always sit with some with a teacher or a group facilitator that offers integration. I don't think I've ever sat with any, um, any teacher that didn't offer integration, both, you know, usually have integration circle after the ceremony the next day, but also, you know, like, uh, like next week or a few days after, right? Because that's kind of, that, be that becomes the, um, for a lot of people, when they go back to their own, you know, regular lives, they they feel disoriented. So I find that people in that like that first week, uh, they need the most help, and and don't be afraid to reach out. You know, there I'm sure. Uh, well, I know that there are a lot of integration coaches out there. There are, you know, if you have a therapist, 
I worked with a therapist for a long time, and she and I, after every ceremony, we would always do an integration call. You know, and if you're doing ayahuasca, tell your therapist, please. You know, you gotta you gotta be honest about this stuff. And that was always super helpful, right? Because she um she came at it from a particular point of view and really helped me integrate through uh the things that I was uh dealing with. So and she, you know, she already kind of knew right my story. So it was perfect. So therapists are great, integration coach, you know, stay connected, stay connected to the music, um, pray, um, hape. I love, I'm, I'm a hape user. So, you know, continuing hape use the days after ceremony is super, uh, super important. And you'll, you'll notice that you're still open, right? I've, I've had some openings after, like after ceremony, bigger than while in ceremony, like They've just like, you know, just moments of clarity or um, some kundalini stuff might happen. So, yeah, just, uh, you know, and then keep your dieta going. You know, I would say keep your dieta going for a couple of days. Maybe if you stop sitting on Sunday, you know, run out to Wednesday or something. Keep your dieta going and, uh, you know, do do the do the things for your body like yoga and uh, whatever walk in nature. So that's why you know when people sign up for a weekend ceremony for me, it's really a week ceremony because you have two days before, two days after, and then you know your your days of ceremony. So you really have to think about that that whole you know like getting off work, going to the ayahuasca ceremony Friday, and going back to work on Monday. That's really rough, and I would not recommend that. You know, look, it's better than not going to the ceremony. If that's all you can do, then go for it, you know. But um, ideally, you need space before and space after to really get in, you know, feel the flow, feel the magic. Um, and, you know, there's this thing that's common also is this kind of sometimes there's a post post ayahuasca depression that sets in because you've come off this euphoric high and then you 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 might feel depressed or low. So having somebody to talk to about that stuff, you know, another person, what I find helpful is, you know, getting the phone number of somebody that you went through the ceremony with, checking in with them, you know, do a little mini integration group with them, you know, the, you lived something with that person. And so sometimes that can be helpful to, to just kind of reconnect um, in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally agree, Derek. Uh, all, all, all is good advice. Um, Similar to what I tell to people, including the music and um, rape as well. Uh, the post ceremony period is when you do everything that you know your mom told you to do, or or your you know all, all, all the good advice. This is the time for you to implement it because if you start good habits, they just stick so much better. And um, you know meditation, being in the nature, journaling, everything. Um, you mentioned integration. I think it's it's an important topic uh, for you guys that are listening. If you're if you're looking for um, for a counselor, as Derek says, find somebody who at least knows you're doing ayahuasca. But even better, so uh, done ayahuasca themselves and understands what you're going through. You can get a lot of a lot of uh, therapists, and I've I've heard those stories. They they will shun you for doing it. They'll say, you know, you're you're crazy so fired that guy don't 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 do it and um yeah we for example we do have an integration coach that works remotely so we we normally send people his way and um a lot of times um when people come to the retreat they get really bonded and as you say they create those little mini zoom calls to keep doing we do word circles during the ceremony they do them they do them digitally and uh it's hard for us because we have so many groups it's hard to oversee all of them but they they basically continue with the with the culture that has been created. Um, so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, um, you, you're a spiritual person. You had a spiritual practice before you came to ayahuasca. Now now it's ayahuasca. So how do you combine your your spirituality and your um, entrepreneurial journey? Hmm. Not easy, I'll tell you that. You know, I mean, I think I go through moments where I'm I forget everything but my journey, and then I have to kind of bring myself back, right, to 
to remembering that, you know, like I have to like have money and food and all these things. And, um, so that's been a real challenge for me is balancing the two, especially if I, I just went to the jungle, I went to, to the Amazon and, um, I was there a couple of weeks with the tribe and I came back and it was really disoriented, right? I was very, it was like, I was just looking around, you know, looking around my house going, what is all this stuff? You know, I just felt so overwhelmed by, by, by my life, you know, after being in the jungle with just a backpack and, you know, um, so that hasn't been uh, a, a real easy journey for me. And it's something I'm still, you know, I'm still dealing with, you know, and part of me is like, well, maybe I combine the two. Right. But I don't, I don't know that that's the answer either. Like you, you've done that, right. You've, you've combined it. You've started this retreat, which is beautiful, but I don't know if that's the answer. I think the two, the two, the two lives can live um, side by side. Now, of course, there has to be an alignment. Like, you know, I'm a longtime vegetarian, for example, so I couldn't like be a butcher and then be, you know, have a butcher shop and then be a vegetarian, right? So like there has to be some alignment, some coherence between what you're doing and the things you're either learning or studying or feeling. So that's probably the more important thing is there's that coherence. And there are other ways that we can contribute. And this is why I wrote the book. You know, I didn't write the book because I like wanted to I'd sell it and, you know, push it into the market. I, I wanted to, to give back to, um, to people that are in this space, which I see a lot that are, that are kind of in this in-between zone. They, they feel called a little bit, but they're not quite sure. They don't, you know, they, um, they just haven't got over a certain hurdle in themselves to, to, to go and actually sit. And so I wanted to give them an intellectual, uh, feeling that they could have the tools and be prepared to, um, get over that initial fear and sign up. That was the original, the original reason I did it. And the other part, and the reason I use ceremony in, in the title is that it is a ceremony. Like our society, um, has lost the feeling of what a, cer a ceremony is, right? We think ceremonies like Christmas and well, it is for some people, but you know, this is like ayahuasca is a moment to connect with the divine. It, it's a moment to um, really connect with the sacred, uh, the sacred spirit, the sacred heart, the sacred energy, the the cosmic um, bliss that is available, and you know that can show up in a, in a lot of different ways, and for and it shows up for people differently all the time. Um, but it really is a ceremony, right? It's a, it's a moment that you put aside a part of your life and you say, okay, I'm, you know, I'm doing this thing and it, it's really important. You're not just going to an event, you know, you're not just like going to drink ayahuasca and, you know, it's like, that's why I love it so much. I really feel like the ceremonial aspect of ayahuasca is very important. And, you know, it's, um, it's a moment to honor yourself and to honor the, the things, the mysterious aspects of life that, that we want to know, that we want to feel, that we want to, um, really get closer to. And so, yeah, that's, that's the way I've approached it. Yeah. The, um, in our, in our effort as a society to sort of simplify things and, um, and also un unfortunately so commercialize things. The ceremony was uh, removed. It was one of the first things to to be lost, and uh, I'm afraid something similar can happen to ayahuasca. You know, the desire to sort of put it in the pill and uh, just take it and not uh, not have the ceremony. But we we need ceremony as humans. You know, we grew we um, grew up as species. You know, sitting up around the fire, and it's it's a ceremony in itself. Um, what you talk about, I really. Um, uh, vibe with you know the the how difficult it is to combine entrepreneurship and spiritual work because 
it's kind of like they're very opposite energies. It's like um, when you create a business and you need to pay money, money comes in, money comes out, and you're building something in the stress, and it's like the opposite of this is the ceremony. You calm down, you relax, you don't think about money. It's uh, If you ever tried talking to Ayahuasca about money, which I tried a couple of times, when money was a problem, uh, it just told me, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's not important. The money will come. Like, don't worry about it. So, um, um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting thing. Like in in my personal work here at the retreat, I try to, for example, take care of the money in the beginning, and then not talk about money for the entire length of the retreat. Just like because it's it's a very different different energy. Like. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you also need to be open that it is a business and we have to pay taxes and pay the workers and uh, pay for all the improvements. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult balance. But I personally, for myself, I've decided I drink ayahuasca once a month and it helped me immensely when I get, you know, in a burnout state uh, territory. I just go back, drink ayahuasca. It puts, puts me back on my way. And I've also had help from ayahuasca because it was from ayahuasca itself that I got the message that I need to work with the medicine, which led me to finding a retreat. So in your own experience with um, working with plant medicines, uh, did you notice it being a help or maybe get some ideas or some specific push to guide your business or your businesses in, in a specific direction? Yeah, um, all, all of the above. Uh for me, it really released uh, creativity, and so I I painted a lot as a kid, and so that came back, and but also the creativity for business, right? So um, interesting how like first it came back through painting and drawing, and then it kind of worked its way into the entrepreneurial side of my life, and like was redesigning stuff and so um for sure it has helped me in that aspect and and it's also helped me this has been more recent after the jungle i've been um more focused like for for a long time i i felt like i was a little bit in this in this ayahuasca haze where i was only interested in in that and wasn't really caring for my businesses in a way that I needed to, I needed to show up. And I remember, uh, having several intentions in ceremonies. I kept asking, I, I was like, you know, what is my soul? What is my soul path? What is my journey? What, you know, I was like, show it to me. Cause you have some people that come into ceremonies. They're like, Oh, I saw my whole future and I'm going to do this. And I never have that. Right. I was like, okay, this is the time I come on, show me. And what she has shown me over and over when I ask that question is she says, lead your life from your heart. That's it. Like that's all you have to do is just drop into your heart and lead your life from that place and everything will unravel the way it needs to unravel. And she gives me that lesson over and over again. It's so amazing, you know, and it's, it's, of course I want something more specific, but she gives, you know, she tends to give you like the, the more, well, she gives me the more broad, you know, strokes. She's like, okay, just leave from your heart, you know, <laughs> like, okay. So, yeah. yeah. Ayahuasca rarely gives you what you want, but it almost always gives you what you need. Unique, for sure. Yeah. Um, you, um, you, you said once in one of your interviews that when you drink ayahuasca, um, uh, you kind of discovered the divinity and all the doubt was removed. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So this, this is a, a bit of a, I want to encourage people to really stick in the journey. You know, I hear a lot of people say that they've, they've, you know, they drank once or twice or three times and like they're done. And I feel like unless you've sat, you know, like 30 times, I think would be a good goal. You haven't really uncovered the magic. You know, you haven't really... Um, 
explored the depths. Oh, yay! There's a depth want, right there. We have an intruder. That's okay. On my door, so. Oh, you don't mind, guys. Carry, carry on there. Yeah. Um, uh, so what I feel is, for me, I'll talk about a little bit about my path. It's been like the first, say, 15 sessions are... It's like a, it's like dating somebody, right? Or or you know, meeting your your partner. Like you got to get to know them. Like you go in and you know you 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 get to know who they are. They get to know you, and you're you're hanging out with them, you know. Um, and then like fifteen through, I don't know, twenty five or thirty. You're you're starting to. For me, is that's when I really went, the trauma was really revealed. So I got to know her in the beginning. And then as soon as I was also comfortable with her and she was comfortable with me, then we really looked, we really worked on the trauma, right? We really went, we just went for it. And then, then after that, maybe 30 or 35 sits, I started to feel a different energy when I sat. I felt I wasn't getting to know her. She wasn't getting to know me. Um, I wasn't, you know, I was no longer, there was no vomiting happening. I was, I wasn't purging. I was connected to the Ikoros in a new way. I was connected to the prayers. Um, I was connected to the energies in the room, however they were showing up. And I felt like, and I, this is where I sit now when I sit, the ceremony is a prayer. The whole ceremony is is a chance for me to pray through the songs, through um, through my breath, through my body. Like it's it's a moment to really uh, be in in connection with the divine, and so that's been my kind of the evolution of my journey. And getting to that place was not easy, and it took a lot of sits, and it took dedication and work, but. I've never felt more connected to something mystical and mysterious in my whole life. And, you know, I've spent my whole life kind of searching or, or, you know, working in different modalities and different traditions. Uh, I worked for the Christian Murdy Foundation for 16 years. So I was like, you know, in this spiritual organization for a long, long, long time. And ayahuasca brought me a connection that I never had in all that other work, all that, a lot of it was very intellectual. Like, um, so it, it brought something, it, it, it brought something into my heart and opened something that allowed me to connect in a new way that I never, like, I knew, never knew how to get to that place. Right. I never, I never imagined how to get to that place. And so, yeah, and I still don't know what it is, right? I still don't know, like, I don't understand it. I don't, um, I can feel it sometimes. And there are times I feel super disconnected. And this is where, like you said, when I'm starting to feel disconnected, I do a mushroom journey or I do a ayahuasca journey. I also sit once a month, which I think is a really good cadence. Once a month is a beautiful, um, beautiful way to stay connected, but also give enough room for integration, right? So you're not just stacking on top of each other. You're you're giving some room sometime every two months. So um, yeah, it's it's this dance, right? Where I'm I'm getting close, then I feel disconnected, then I go back, and um, I'm actually doing this course right now with um, the the podcaster, the Emerald. I don't know if you've heard the Emerald. If you haven't, you should really listen. It's an amazing podcast. And we're doing a year-long course on uh, the mystic and um, being connected to the animate spirit. And so it's just fun to be in this space where we're talking about, you know, ceremony and um, offering and devotion, right? These are all words that I was very, I, I was very allergic to for a long time. And so I'm, I'm starting to get to know that side of, uh, spirituality, which in the past I've always approached it with a very kind of intellectual mind. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes that makes total sense. And yeah, describing your psychedelic experience or your psychedelic work is very difficult. It's like um, our language lacks words uh, to describe it. And, what, and the journey and the way it goes up and down reminded me of waves. And I can't talk to you without um, mentioning waves because you're you're mostly known uh, for your for your surfing and for your businesses associated with surfing. Uh, the question that I had when I was uh, preparing for this podcast is: When you think about nature and ayahuasca and Pachamama. Mostly you imagine like a jungle or a mountain, uh, but uh, you spend most of your time in the sea, in the waves, surfing. You surf every day, um, and and I don't really have that connection to to the ocean. So oh, no. how how is that, uh, and how does it tie into your 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 spiritual journey? Yeah, I think the ocean saved my life. You know, like I I told you a little bit about my childhood. And I've been surfing since I was like, I think 10 or something. You know, I was brought up by my grandparents, actually, like you. And um, like the ocean, so the ocean has always been in my life. It's always been this anchor. And much like my journey with ayahuasca, my journey with the ocean has changed, right? My journey with surfing has changed. And what I've, what I know is that, that, really the ocean and surfing have, have probably saved my life, right? It saved me from exploring other modalities to treat my trauma. So in many ways, when I go surfing, I have this euphoria. I feel like it's amazing, right? You're like moving with the energy of the ocean. Like you're, what an incredible way to spend a day or an hour or a lifetime. So I have so much gratitude to the ocean and to my my introduction to surfing and my commitment and connection to surfing. And yeah, I could talk hours about that, but I think what is important for everyone is that they have some relationship with nature, whatever that is, whether it's a mountain, the jungle, um, you know, the garden, your garden, for example. And so I've always had this deep connection with nature through surfing that, uh, has taught me so many things, right? I mean, it's much like ayahuasca, right? You're like, you're surfing and you're with your friend and there's a protocol in surfing where one person always, you know, person in position, it's their wave. Sometimes you take the wave, even though it's not your position from your friend, right? So you see your ego, you see your selfishness, you see your aggression. So all of life is revealed to you in these moments of surfing. You know, you're out there in a really big day. Um, you see your fear, right? So all of life, it's like this constant teacher has been with me for so long and um, both punishing me and giving me uh, beautiful insights into myself and into the world. And not to mention all the places I've traveled, I've traveled all over the world and I've surfed you know, some of the best waves, usually with community, right? With friends, which is uh, such a gift. And yeah, like, you know, mixing the two is like ayahuasca and surfing is, it it, it goes hand in hand, you know? And, and I know, I don't know a lot of surfers that do aya, but the ones that I do, I really connect with, you know? I like, okay, you get it, you know? Um I believe surfing can be a form of integration as well. That's beautiful. I love that. You're right. Yeah, and sometimes I'll actually surf during a during the ayahuasca weekend because I sit here in in Santa Barbara, and um, like I'll after after Saturday after the after the Friday night I'll go surf and then go back for the Sunday night, and that's that's amazing. Like surfing in the in the between glow of Aya and the ceremony, I always felt, and I haven't seen this. I always felt like a surfing Aya retreat would be awesome, right? Even for people that don't do that don't surf, just getting into the ocean between ceremonies or after ceremony um, would be a beautiful or in a river too. I mean, we we did that in the Amazon. We got into the to the river, but the ocean has yeah. something different. Yeah. So great, let's do it. Maybe, maybe yeah, retreat, number, retreat, retreat number two. Yeah. 
Yeah, if I, I, I open a second location, I would probably go go to the beach. Yeah, there's, there's good surfing in them. Colombia. Actually, there's there's actually really good surfing. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, let's throw it out there in the universe, and if it has to happen, the it will it will happen. I love uh, it. It was a, a fascinating conversation. I really liked. I enjoyed it. And I think we brought up some topics that um, can benefit our listeners who are sort of trying to navigate their their um, path in this um, in this uh, ayahuasca world. Uh, Derek, where can people find you? Learn more about you, or find yeah. books, for example. Yeah, if you go to my website, which is my name, Derek Dodds, D O D D S dot com. Then there, you, my Instagram page is there, and then I also I write about an article a month. So I, I wrote about my journey to the jungle, and there's a great article on Hape there. If you're getting, you know, starting out with Hape, and um, I write about, you know, some of my teachers, some of my guides like um, Ganesh or Hanuman, uh, really connected to the Indian lineage. Um, I also went to Egypt last year, and so I write a little bit about. My connection to Ra and Osiris, and um, that could be another fun conversation. But uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Because uh, on ayahuasca, sometimes I see pyramids and a very Egyptian style theme. I don't know where it is yet to be explored. Guys, check out Derek's website. Check out his book. I'm I'm, I'm sure um, it's a good summary for for the beginners. And um, Derek, thank you so much uh, for coming and uh, sharing with us tonight. Uh, guys, uh, you've been listening to ayahuascapodcast.com. As always with you, host Sam Believe, and I will see you in the next episode. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate the interview. Guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like our podcast and would like to support us and Psychedelic Revolution at large, Please follow us and live a like whenever you're listening to this podcast. Um, nothing in this podcast is medical advice. It's intended for educational purposes only. Thanks to Sam for the great podcast. I really enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about Sam's re retreat in Colombia, go to ayahuascapodcast.com where you can see other episodes that he's done, which are really good. I've listened to quite a few. And his retreat looks really interesting. You know, it's in Colombia. I've sat with a, a Colombian shaman here in the L.A. area, which has been a fantastic experience. Shout out to Cesar. The Colombian traditions are, yeah, they're they're super powerful. They drink yaje, which is a, a different derivative of ayahuasca that's commonly found in the Peruvian tradition. But it's uh, always a great ceremony, and it looks like he runs a fantastic retreat with, I think you can do a four-day or even a three-week re retreat in Colombia. So check it out, uh, ayahuascapodcast.com. Tell Sam I said hello, and if you end up going down to Colombia, please let me know, and I'd love to interview you. Haush, haush.